Well, it's great to be with you this morning. I hope that you're having a great time and that this has been an impactful service for you. Today's sermon is going to be from the Gospel of Mark. So if you'd head in that direction, we'll be in Mark chapter 4 going through the end of chapter 5. The sermon this morning is called Faith Over Fear. We're going to look at four stories that Jesus told, uh, sorry, uh, the stories of the Gospel about Jesus and four uh, examples, opportunities where he confronted fear in the realm of faith and brought victory. I think this is a timely sermon in light of everything that's going on. Many of us are confused. We're not sure if we should be afraid or if we should be bold or uh, if our boldness would put some other people at risk. So how do we proceed? And I think the, the best thing to do is to, to walk in faith and to follow Christ as he leads. So beginning in the 35th chapter of Mark, we have a story. And I'm going to summarize most of these stories today because it's a lot of scripture and I don't want to just read, you know, 40 verses to you all, although... You can read them on your own. But beginning in the, 30, uh, the 31st verse, 35th verse of Mark chapter 4, we're going to have the story of the storm. <clears throat> Jesus in the storm. At this uh, time, Jesus is in the boat. Many of you know the story. He has fallen asleep. Everybody's in the boat together, and Jesus has fallen asleep, and uh, it begins to get stormy. In fact, it gets very stormy. And all the disciples, all hands on deck, manning whatever they can, trying to keep this boat afloat. And they're very frightened that this could be the end. And these are not just brand new sailors. These are lifelong sailors and fishermen, so they know a bad storm when they see it. And meanwhile, Jesus has gone to sleep on the cushion. And they, they wake him up and they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus gets up and he rebukes the sea. Silence, be still, he says, and the wind ceases, and there's a great calm. And he turns to them and says, why are you fear fearful? Do you have no faith? They were terrified and asked one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Our first story of faith over fear is the story of Jesus conquering the storm. It's, a, it's an amazing idea that Jesus himself sleep in a sound resting and his disciples panicking, worried. And I, I think about today, how many of us today are living in fear, panicked, worried, uncertain about the virus, uncertain about the ramifications of the virus? Will it cause uh, loss to business, revenue? Will we be able to have the food chains hold up? You know, the, the panic can go on a great scale. In the midst of all this, in the storm that we're facing, I see God just resting in heaven at peace because he's not afraid. He knows the outcome before it began. The realm of fear is full of anxiety, fear of drowning and death. But in the realm of faith, we have rest, peace, and calm. And Jesus takes the storm, takes the fear, and through faith, he moves us from an assured destruction to a prayerful contemplation. The disciples go from being terrified and, and, and uncertain about what was going to happen, would they live, to contemplation. Who is this man that even calms the storms, that the seas listen to him, the wind listens to him? When we take time, step back, put our trust in God, and look at the situations surrounding us, what we'll find is that we realize God is using the circumstances in our lives to help us get to know him better, to help us ask the question, who is this God that we serve? That even the wind listens to him. Even the viruses listen to him. We don't need to walk in fear. There's a funny story about a child who's afraid. There's a storm and he 
doesn't want to go to bed. He hears the thunder. He's afraid, and, and he's got mom with him, and he's trying to convince his mom, will you just sleep in my bed tonight, mom? Can I just stay with you? And the mom doesn't want to set up a situation where this is an ongoing uh, mommy stays with you at night thing. And she says, well, I'd love to stay with you, honey, but I need to sleep with your dad. And the child gets very quiet. And then he says, that big sissy. You see, the child knows dad's not supposed to be afraid of the storm. I'm supposed to be afraid of the storm. He doesn't need you. Of course, he doesn't understand the whole, the whole situation. But so much of when we get panicked and worried and live in fear, it reflects our own immaturity. We are not trusting as a, a grown-up Christian in our father who is not afraid of the storm. Our next scene, as we move into the chapter 5, <clears throat> is Jesus versus the demon legion. In this story, Jesus is moved into a new region, and there is a man who is coming towards him, and this man is demon-possessed. And the demon is many, right? There's many demons in there. Jesus actually had uh, commanded the demon to come out, and the demon says, who are you? You know, uh, what do we have to do with you, son of man? And uh, Jesus says, uh, what's your name? And the demon says, legion. And uh, please don't cast us out before our time. Jesus casts the demons into the pigs, and the pigs flee down and are drowned in the water. And the man then is found. Uh, this man had been such a mess. Uh, he lived in the tombs. He cut himself with rocks. They had tried to bind him with chains, but his strength through the demonic power would break all the chains. And so he has been uh, left alone, desperate by himself, out of his mind, controlled by demons. But they find him after Jesus cast out the, the demons into the pigs in his right mind, and he's talking with Jesus. He asks if he can go with Jesus, but Jesus doesn't let him go with him. Not at this time in Jesus' ministry, <clears throat> but what he does say to the man is this, Go back home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim to the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. The realm of fear. We have a man who has lost control of his senses. He is in control, uh, under the control of demons. And Jesus sees this man in bondage. The realm of fear is bondage, death, uh, isolation. And Jesus looks at that man and he brings him liberation, sanity, and friendship. Nobody would talk to this man. He was alone. But Jesus comes, and if you read the story, it looks like the man's coming to Jesus, but it actually says the man had approached Jesus because Jesus had said, come out of him. He was already casting out the demon. And so Jesus went to where this man was and set him free from demonic oppression. We live in a world today sometimes where we forget that there is demonic power at work. A lot of what's going on, uh, the, the virus that the, the nation has been facing, the world has been facing, uh, the reaction to the virus, the uh, opportunities some people have taken to maybe exert control, uh, to advance agendas, all, all of this, sometimes we lose track that Satan has an agenda, that Satan has a plan. In fact, he, he's read the end of the book, but he also has read just before the end of the book when he's empowered. And we can become fearful of what's next. Is this a dress rehearsal for when Satan comes? Is this the, the, the pale rider? Is this the uh, opportunity where a third of the world will die with plague? You know, you, you hear the worries and the fears and the concerns. But Jesus doesn't approach the problem that way. Jesus approaches with power and comes to the man and says, be free. 
Jesus drives out demonic power before his followers. In fact, uh, Romans tells us that the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. We know Jesus has won the victory, but he's going to allow us to experience the victory through his power, through his Holy Spirit. And of course, we celebrate the Holy, the Holy Spirit on Pentecost when it was first given to the church, when he was first given to the church. Jesus moves us from fear to faith, from demonic oppression to a merciful mission. The man was terrified, out of his mind, unable to uh, gain freedom, and Jesus set him free and gave him a mission. The man wanted to go with Jesus, but this time in Jesus' ministry, he gave him a different mission, and that was to advance the gospel. He went out and proclaimed to the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. You know, when the gospel goes out beyond Jerusalem, when the Holy Spirit comes down and we start seeing salvations come in Judea and Samaria uh, to the ends of the earth, these opportunities, these miracles have seeded the gospel before it comes in power. And so this man becomes a proto-evangelist. And just think of what Jesus did to transform that man's situation. We have a pastor, sorry, a, a, a man who started, I believe it was Voice of the Martyrs. His name is Richard Wormbrand. He was imprisoned in communist Romania. And he was kept there for years and he was beaten. Uh, he was persecuted for his faith. The quote that he has in that time is this, Hungry, beaten, and rugged, we had forgotten theology from the Bible. We had forgotten the truths about the truth. Therefore, we lived in the truth. We could not think anymore in our darkest hours of torture. The Son of Man came to us, making the prison walls shine like diamonds and filling the cells with light. Somewhere far away were the tortures below us in the sphere of the body, but the Spirit rejoiced in the Lord. We would not have given up this joy for all the kingly palaces. There are those that have gone through major persecution, but the Spirit has always walked with them through those times. And it's in those times we come to recognize the mission that Christ set us on. Faith over fear. The third story of faith, conquering fear, we find in chapter 5 in a sandwich story, which is interesting. Mark has this really cool uh, narrative effect where a lot of times he'll take a story that's in Luke or a story in Matthew and he'll sandwich them together. So this story starts off with Jesus being confronted by the synagogue leader asking to come heal my daughter. But on his way, he is confronted by a woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. And she's gone to doctors and they can't help her. She's lost all her money. Uh, and she says, if I could just grab hold of Jesus's robes, I would be healed. And she makes her way through the crowd and gets a hold of his cloak, and she's healed. And Jesus feels power coming from him. And he says to everyone, hey, who touched me? And of course, it's a crowded street. You know, uh, everyone's bumping into each other. We, we can't do that today. We've got to keep social distance. But they were not social distancing. They were packed in there, and, and the apostles are saying, uh, Jesus, we're all touching you. And he says, no, 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 someone touched me. And the woman said, it's me. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came with fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be free from your affliction. Jesus makes her admit what, what had happened, and then he blesses her. This woman lived in fear. Who knows when this disease that she was facing would get worse, when it would take her life. How much pain was associated with this? She'd spent all her money. She didn't have any hope, and she was isolated. Don't forget that in Israel, if you are uh, bleeding, you are unclean. 
You can't be part of the fellowship of the, of the nation. And so just like the lepers are isolated, this woman lived in isolation. But Jesus takes a woman who is sick, impoverished, and isolated, and he brings her healing, peace, and restoration. I'm looking forward to the day that we'll see that in our country, where we'll move from this time of, of sickness, it's leading to poverty, isolation, and we'll move back into healing, peace, and restoration. Jesus takes us out of fear from enduring affliction to a public confession. Isn't it interesting that the story didn't end with the woman just going her way? Why did Jesus stop and make her say, it was me? You ever wonder that? I mean, uh, it was probably a little bit awkward for her. She'd come and she was probably frightened of what Jesus would say. But I believe that Jesus wanted the woman to give a confession. When you experience the healing of God, gratitude is the proper response, and it's fulfilled in sharing that gratitude with others. The reason that the, the best evangelists that we have are those that recently gave their lives to Christ is because they are living in the gratitude of salvation. And this woman is given a public confession of the goodness of God. There is going to be a day soon, and I think we're seeing it with the president recently saying that we need prayer more than ever and opening the churches, that we're going to see a great public confession of the greatness of God and how he's gotten us through this time. Confession is good for the soul. A group of pastors once came together and they said, you know, we need to just confess our sins. And so it was at a pastor's breakfast and they were all going around saying, you know, confess your sins, brothers. And one was saying, I'm struggling with this. And, and they said, amen, we'll pray for you. And the other said, I'm struggling with this. And they said, amen. And they were praying. And then finally they got to the last pastor and he said, you know, I struggle with gossip and I'm just dying to get out of here. <laughs> I think they prayed for him, but they may have uh, sworn him into secrecy. There is a, a time to confess, to profess and to confess what God has done. We always say, how do you get saved? It's the ABCs. Admit to God that you're a sinner and repent. Believe that Jesus is God's son and see, confess your faith in Jesus Christ. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. Jesus wanted the woman to have an opportunity to confess him. One of the reasons we end our services with an altar call is because we want to let people have an opportunity every week to come and confess and just stand as a witness of someone who's God, who God has changed and who God is working in. Our final story picks up where this story ends off. Jesus, if you recall, was en route to go see the daughter of Jairus, the synagogue leader. And right as this story ends, people come and say, Teacher, don't, don't, don't bother the teacher anymore. The, the girl has died. And you can just imagine... There was an urgency, teacher, teacher, come, heal my daughter. And he's distracted. In fact, he may have made the situation where he stopped to deal with this woman instead of just running on and getting to the problem of the daughter. But Jesus is not afraid. He heard what they were saying, and he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, only believe, have faith. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. They came to the leader's house and he saw commotion, people weeping and wailing, just the loss of a child. He went in and said to them, why are you making commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but asleep. They started laughing at him, but he put them all outside and he took the child, father and mother, and those who were with him, and he entered the place where the child was, and he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which translated as little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. She was just 12 years old. 
At this, they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and said that she should be given something to eat. There's a lot of wonderful <laughs> details in this story. But Jesus has confronted the storm. He has confronted the demons. He has confronted sickness. And now he faces death. In the realm of fear, they are pleading, despondent, wailing, weeping, death, despair. But Jesus brings help, hope, and life. Do you believe, he says. I love it when he asks the leper, do you believe? Yes, Lord, help my unbelief. Actually, I think that's the blind man. Jesus takes us from certain death to thriving resurrection. Death, where is your sting? There's a story about a little boy and his father. They're on a, a drive out into the country. And it's a great spring day, but a bee flies in through the window. And the boy is terrified because he is allergic to bees. And the father is concerned too. So the boy is just very concerned. I don't know if you have children or seen children who are afraid of bees, but they can really throw a fit. Well, the father is able to get a hold of the bee. And he grabs it and he crunches it. And the boy is just stunned. And dad opens up his uh, hand and the bee kind of flies away. And the boy, again, immediately starts uh, getting nervous, getting fearful. And the dad says, no, 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 look at my hand. And in his hand, the stinger of the bee was embedded in. And he says, you don't have to be afraid anymore. I've taken the sting for you. Jesus, the Apostle Paul says, took the sting of death from us. We don't have to live in fear of death because death is not the end. The author of Hebrews says that fear of death has uh, frozen people for all of time. But when we step into the realm of faith, when we do as Jesus did and say, just believe, trust me, believe, have faith, we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to spend each day worried about what will come next. But we can live in a resurrected life, an abundant life that comes through knowing Jesus Christ, our Savior. So four stories of fear and four stories of faith conquering fear. Jesus versus the storm. Are there storms in your life? Jesus will take them. Jesus has conquered them. Jesus versus demons. Have you faced spiritual oppression? Jesus can conquer that. Step into the realm of faith. Are you sick? Are you ill? Do you worry of death? Jesus has defeated death. Jesus brings healing into our lives. So as we go forward, and as we look forward to the next set of things for the church, I would ask you to consider, are you walking in faith? Are you living in faith, or are you living in fear? I hope that you're in faith. And if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, I want to end with inviting you to pray a prayer with me. Through each of these messages for our online viewerships, we are always giving the opportunity for people to put their faith in Jesus Christ. So if you would, please bow your head with me. And if you're ready to put your faith in Christ for the first time, or you'd like to renew your faith in Christ today, please pray with me. Father in heaven, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I put my faith in Jesus Christ. I trust in his sacrifice. I trust in his love and ask that you would forgive me for the sins I've committed. Jesus, I give you my life. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Please enter my heart. Help me to walk in faith. 
and to live without fear. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, my dad always likes to end with a blessing, so I will go ahead and do the same. And this comes from Deuteronomy. May the Lord bless and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace.